Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Frank Johnson and Peter Bush. Let's get all up into some movies, y'all. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Oceanland. Come see the deep sea show in the shallowest tank, then swim with the dolphins at Oceanland. Welcome, everyone, to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And we are filmmakers, actors. We do all the things, writing, music. I, I play the spoons. And <laughs> we we take all of that and try to use it to better ourselves uh, at the process of filmmaking by picking apart films and, and analyzing them, seeing what they're doing, um, what we liked, what we didn't. So in some sense, it's just a simple review, but also try to walk away a little bit more informed about uh, movies, filmmaking in general. I like it. I've learned a lot. I would say this has made me a much better filmmaker through doing these. And I don't know what I would do now that you're across the country without doing these every week. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's really just a great way to, to hang out with my bud and talk film, which we would be doing anyway. So yeah, uh, it's been interesting lately. We've been doing a lot of voiceover work. I, I became a director so that I could act more. And then I left my uh, acting agency and I've not almost acted at all since then. So suddenly getting to do voiceover work has just been really nice itch to scratch. How's that been for you? How do you like doing our, our voiceover projects? I, I love it. I, I think, I mean, there's a lot of like red tape that I'm trying to get around and I hate that. But other than that, like actually, you know, performing it and doing it and then getting feedback at times and, and, you know, doing some rereads and stuff like it's been really fun and great. And like looking at a script and I could seeing it and I think I could read it in three different ways, you know, which way do I think, you know, based on everything that's happening around it and then making that decision and doing it, um, has been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been, it's been great. And working with you, working with Kara and, and it has been like, you know, really great i i hope it keeps going i want to keep keep doing it do more of it you know same so, yeah. voiceover yeah. is really interesting because it takes so much more energy than normal on-screen acting depending on the film like if you're doing a, sure. a, a rom-com that's gonna eat up a lot of energy but in general on camera uh you can understate a lot and if you take that same energy to a voiceover uh performance you're not understated. You're, you're just flat. There's nothing. And so just to get to kind of this understated or neutral territory requires a lot of energy. Um, and you have to push your energy like 150%, uh, like just, it feels over the top while you're doing it. And then when you listen to playback, you're like, Oh, it sounds like a normal person. And then if you get a crazy script where you have to really be like all out, now you're you're basically screaming into the microphone <laughs> like it's it's pretty outrageous you know depending on the the story and uh the the client you know that you're working with um it can it can demand a lot out of you uh, i remember the first voiceover class i took and she was driving that home to us uh, our 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 teacher Renee Beal who's phenomenal great teacher great actor and she was like okay i'm going to have everyone do a read and look do it two ways. You're going to do it the way you think it should be done. And then I'm going to redirect you. And we did, right? We did a normal like, oh, hey, Johnny, you know, whatever. Uh, and then she was like, okay, no, no. Now go what you think is just 
over the top, what you think is just silly. And it's like, oh, hey, Johnny. And then suddenly, you know, and then she would play them back, back to back to us in the class. And we were like, oh, crap. Yeah, when I'm performing it, it feels like I'm just like cartoony and hammered, you know, hammering this really silly. But when I'm listening to it, I can, it does sound kind of normal. Like, oh, this is just a regular person. And it just began to make me watch cartoons and uh, radio ads like differently. Uh, and it's like, oh, okay. And shaping that around and now that I'm doing it, you know, uh, a lot. Uh, it's just been really fun to kind of pull back on some of those old lessons and like, oh yeah, like this is a, it's a different type of acting. I have so much respect for like full-time cartoon vocalists where you're just like on Futurama doing five different characters and they all have to feel individual characters uh not just in you know your your delivery but you know the the amount of energy it takes to transition into different characters like rick and morty the same guy is playing both rick and morty um and they feel like two completely different actors uh that's i just can't imagine like that's really really cool and and hard <laughs> it's very difficult. yeah it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing well, and yeah because you don't have the well at least you know for voiceover for what we do, like we, you don't, we don't see, or the, the audience doesn't see anything, right? Like if it's, if it's uh, an audio book or something, they don't see anything. I don't have any visual feedback. It, it's all audio. So yeah. you have to put the emotion in your voice because there is no visual. So that means reading, reading a line like she took his hand and ran for dear life, you know, she took his hand and ran for dear life yeah. or she took his hand and ran for, you know what I mean? Like there is a total difference and it's necessary, you know, in it, those regards. It really is. And even just watching you just now, you did it, you know, uh, two or three different ways. And physically you were doing different things. Like if you're listening on audio and not on YouTube, you didn't see Todd like uh, go from just kind of this relaxed position to his shoulders tensed up and his hands got animated. And then the last take, he really started shaking and vibrating. Like all that is really, really useful. I use it all whenever I'm doing voiceover work. I'm not just, you know, looking into my mic. I'm like, pointing at things and I'm like balling up my fist and like raising my arms. Like I'm, I'm doing all these physical animations, right. In order to help bring it out of my voice and ex access that energy. It's really fun, man. Acting is a million different things in a million different contexts. Uh, and it's really useful to, to understand what context you're, you're acting in, in order to get the best performance out of you. hundred yeah. percent. I'm, I'm glad that you're having fun yeah. doing it because, because I am too. I, I, I hope it turns into something bigger. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Nice. Yeah. With that in mind, what kind of acting are we watching today, man? Yeah. We're watching uh, actor on actor acting uh, today. Uh, we're covering already tomorrow in Hong Kong. So if you haven't seen that, it's streaming on uh, Amazon video. Uh, so you can go watch that there. Amazon Prime. For sure. We'll look at a couple things, uh, touch on some of the cinematography, the way uh, they're filming in public spaces. We'll also look at low budget filmmaking and other such stuff and things and stuff. And a quick synopsis of the, of the film. An attraction forms when a Chinese American girl visiting Hong Kong for the first time meets an American expat who shows her the way, but timing may not quite be on their side. Written and directed by Emily Ting. Cinematography by Josh Silfen. It's featuring Jamie Chung as Ruby and Brian Greenberg as Josh. That was amazing. Wait, I didn't know you could speak Cantonese so well. Uh... Hey, I told you I'd come in handy. It's 
It's so weird watching you speak Chinese. It's weird watching you speak English. Whatever, that's different. How is it different? It's different because I grew up in the States. Well, I spent the last 10 years of my life here. Still weird. <laughs> no, only because I don't speak any Chinese. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I don't speak a lick of Yiddish. My grandmother thinks that's Meshuganah. What does that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> Well, I should probably get going. Yeah. But thank you. All right. Thanks. Hey, I um, I got I gotta be at this thing in a few hours, but I got some time to kill. Oh no. You don't even know what I was gonna say. Um, yeah, it's starting to sound eerily familiar. One drink. Totally platonic. But only because you got my boyfriend a discount. That's all it takes? My boyfriend. Yeah. Really good discount. All right, Todd. So I assume you'd never even heard of this movie. And I mean, it's just obviously, you know, low budget. Anyway, I, I don't want to even preface anything. Um, how'd you enjoy it? Did, was this fun or was it like, oh, okay, I, I see what they're doing. And um, it works sometimes and other times, you know, uh, yeah, how did, how did it land for you? So, I mean, it's really hard for me to put it because I have like conflicting feelings yeah. with it, right? I'm watching this and I'm thinking this is obviously like, this is like an indie film, right? It feels like an indie film. I don't know. I don't know any details about it, you know, which I, I kind of wanted to throw it back on you and say, okay, mm. tell me what you know about this film because that might impact how I feel, but I, I don't want to. So the way that started watching it, and, and thought, you know, initially, okay, I know what they're doing, right? They're, it's, you know, a low budget film. They're keeping it low budget by, you know, having them just walk the streets essentially. And it's only two people and single camera probably. And, you know, not a lot happens, right? They just felt, felt like, okay, I get what they're doing, right? There were, there were some moments I was taken out of it because I, I felt like the, there were some... I felt the acting sometimes, you know, I felt like them reading the lines. Right. And that, that was upsetting to me because I liked it. Like I really liked the vibe. I liked this, the purpose of the story. I liked what was happening. I liked the, res the reactions. I liked the moments of awkwardness when, you know, when she finds out he has a, he has a girlfriend and uh, there was another awkward moment when they're having they're sitting down eating and another couple sits <laughs> next to them, right? That like super close next to them. And th they kind of like argue a little bit, just have this like little moment. So those felt really good of like silence, you know, cause I was like, Oh, okay. What's going to break this? You know, it was basically before midnight, you know, or without any sunrise. money yeah. before sunrise, sorry, with, without any money. Yeah. Right. And with not as good acting. Is, is kind of, you know, but like if, if I were to make it, you know what I mean? Right. Without any money, but better, you know, because I felt, I felt at the end, I felt their pain and their anguish and their indecision. I love that it ended. Have we, have we, have, oh yeah, we did the whole spoiler alert thing. Yeah. I love how it ended without her making the the decision. You know, I feel like he had already made his decision. Hmm. You know, and was like, hey, 
you want to come with me on this? And so it was left up to her and them just sitting in the, in the, in the taxi. I thought that was a great way to end it, you know? Cause then you, you just, you as the viewer, we tell this, we talk about this all the time. Don't give an answer, you know, raise the question, don't answer it. Um, and give it to the, to the, uh, it's on the onus of the viewer to answer that. I think she probably, you know, left her boyfriend and went with him, but who knows? It could have been different for you. I thought the whole thing overall was endearing and beautiful and I couldn't wait to see what was coming up next and which may and and fun and exciting which made the moments when I saw the acting and I saw the words on the page that much more upsetting because and it probably happened a good 10 or 12 times. Yeah. You know, where I was like oh, there's a better line for that or there's a better there had to be a better take where she delivered that better because she's a good actress. You know, I've seen her in other stuff. And so it kind of left me thinking, was that was that a decision that the director made that she, she thought was good? Or was it like, oh, we have to move on because we don't have any any time here anymore or, you know, not sure, but budgetary thing. You know? Yeah, no, I agree. Like uh, there's some bumps and bruises and it's the kind of movie where I'm, I'm really getting invested, but also getting pulled out, you know pretty frequently mm-hmm. I, I i agree uh and it it is and i think it's paying pretty direct homage to before sunrise as well as chunking express mm-hmm. because this is set in hong kong and they actually go shoot in front of the chunking uh mansions that mm-hmm. inspired the title for chunking express uh and so there's a lot of homage being paid uh to both of those even in the story itself they go and meet a, a fortune teller you know, which also, you know, happens in Before Sunrise. And so, like, there's clear homage. And I I agree, this is kind of what you and I would make, I think, um, without, you know, much of a budget and just saying, what do we have? What can we make with what we have? And yeah, I think I think the bumps and bruises are from maybe not leaning enough into Before Sunrise, because one of the things that really makes that tick is that it isn't just about who they are. It's about all these bigger ideas and thoughts and ramblings. And here we kind of just sit on their stories directly. Like we don't get a very strong sense of who they are while they're talking about who they are. Um, Whereas if we had instead ventured into the things that they love or things that they hate, things that they think about, which we do periodically, but it's always coming back to, you know, uh, where are you from? What do you, how do you like it? You know, what do you do for work? Uh, and those things are usually the least interesting things about people. And so I think where this film really succeeds for me, the best moments are when they're like ribbing each other, like, you know, kind of giving each other shit, right. I'm just joshing you. And he's like, that's the last time we make that joke tonight. (laughs) And she's like, I've been waiting all day for that. Um, And like, those are the really great. And those are the moments when you can feel their, their acting really kick in. It's like, it feels very natural. And it's like, Oh, uh, this is us as new people who've never really known each other, getting to know each other. Those are when it's really clicking uh, as well as the conflict. Like you pointed out um, the the scene where she finds out that uh, it was his girlfriend's birthday and that he has a girlfriend. Like that whole little sequence is so good uh, because I'm buying it. I'm buying all of it. I'm buying his embarrassment. I'm buying her frustration and uh, him trying to weasel out a little bit and also trying to own it a little bit. <laughs> Like all that really works for me. Um, even the, the towards the end, oh man, they, they have that great moment where they're, they're dancing and they start to drown out the background, the ambience with, uh, the, the music, you know, 
comes over, you know, and it's just them. And it's so good. It's this really nice moment that gets interrupted, right? They've been living in their own bubble, which was a really good use of the shallow depth of field, isolating these two characters in a city where they're surrounded by people. We feel like we're just in their world. That's really good filmmaking, um, really good direction. And it's really well done. And then in this moment, this awkward encounter with a friend busts them, right? And suddenly, like what they've been doing is, has a spotlight on it. And to him, he's trying to make the, the point like this is all above water, right? Above board. Like she knows about my girlfriend and the friend <laughs> does not care. She's like, say hi to Sam. He's like, okay, I will. Like she's really laying it on thick and it's good because that gives a lot for Jamie Chung to, to react against. Right. And it's all the good stuff there, but I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of the writing could have used a little more, you know, I think it's really well thought out. I don't think it's a lack of thinking or, uh, or, uh, you know, building your world. Uh, I think it's more of just, that's not the direction I think that would have been most satisfying for the viewers. Getting to know people is always more ethereal than, you know, ones and zeros. And here I felt like there was a lot of ones and zeros on the table instead of just kind of the, the, I don't know, effervescence of, of these two people connecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the stuff that really jibes with us. I know. Um, but I think a lot of audiences, because I think this is still a really enjoyed film by a lot of people. And I can see why, because there's something really beautiful about two people getting to know each other against a backdrop of uh, an interesting city and Hong Kong. I've never been the most I've seen of it is probably through Wong Kar Wai and Emily Ting, you know? Uh, And I love the, the way she kind of flipped the cards, right? Uh, The white boy is the local and uh, you know, the, the Chinese American is the, the, the visitor, right? That's, that's a really fun twist. um, And it allows for some really fun moments. Like they were just in that soundbite, coming away from him negotiating um, Mm -hmm. in Cantonese. And she's like, oh my God, I don't know what just happened here. It felt really weird though. (laughs) He's like, why? And I love that he's, I mean, he's not aggressive about it, but he's kind of on his, uh, on his heels a little bit like, Hey, why is that weird? I'm, I've been here for a decade, you know, I, I know Cantonese. Why wouldn't I learn this language? Um, I live here. Yeah. And so there's a lot of fun things happening and it's all these little moments that work really well. I think there was more in it. I agree that, it ends on a really fun note because if you go past that, now you need a whole third act. And I think stopping at the end of the second act is the right way to go because everything that would have come after that is really messy um, and requires a lot more, lot more people, a lot more dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot more story to cover because right. you probably need another at least 45 minutes to an hour to, to see, okay, they, they're getting the thing that they want. But is it everything they, that they thought it would be, right? That's that's a lot of story to tackle. And you also don't want to end it on like a love scene because that just feels, I don't know, weird. Um, and it's, I don't know, maybe it could have been great, but I thinking about it, it felt like it would have been a weird note to end on. Instead, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think she probably does uh, leave her boyfriend because she's smart. She We see that demonstrated throughout the film, their first encounter. She's over here telling him, no, you should go for what you love. Go for your passion. Why wouldn't she reflect that in her own life? And then when she meets him later on, she's like really upset. (laughs) She's like, Sam, your girlfriend doesn't support your dream. Like Mm. that's messed up. Right. So you can feel the intention behind her is like actually going after what you love. And as someone who's still dreaming about a career in fashion, 
Like you can see that she hasn't let that go yet. And so, yeah, why wouldn't she just continue that, that self uh, reflection in that moment of like, okay, yeah, we need to see where this can go, but I think they do it responsibly. That's my impression mm -hmm. um, is that she takes the high road. They both do. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to, but, but I think she's the, the, the voice of reason. It's like, no, no, mm -hmm. no, no. We're going to, we're going to do this right. Yeah. That's, where I think the story goes, hmm. but I just, the, I don't really buy their careers. This is the the funny thing about it. Um, because she doesn't really feel like a toy designer, right? She seems a little too upscale, which I think is reflected in the writing, right? Her backstory is that she's a fashion designer, which definitely tracks. Uh, but maybe designer isn't a great, uh, toy designer isn't a great like fallback career either. I think they need to flesh out that connection a bit stronger of how, toy designing is a natural, you know, path from a fashion designer or just find another fallback. The, the tie in that I, I think she really liked was if she's a toy design, toy designer, then she can go into this marketplace and find one of her toys. And now we can have this little interesting conversation about, uh, flattery versus theft. Um, because I think the way I take that is it's it's a reflection about her making this film mm -hmm. emily ting making this film right uh it's it's this acknowledgement like a hat tip uh right because the quote that they he says is being ripped off in china right that's 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 a compliment you know and the film itself being this kind of uh homage to chungking express and before sunrise obviously is kind of her version of a ripoff uh if you want to call it that i don't i take it as inspiration and she made her own thing zero whatever shame in that like she she did her thing i think i yeah and so i don't know the career for her doesn't track and same thing with him he doesn't feel like a finance guy to me he seems a little too downscale if she's too upscale he's too downscale like his walk has a lot of like lower class swagger he doesn't walk like someone who grew up with a lot of money uh, and maybe that wasn't part of his backstory i guess but uh, someone who wanted to work in finance and like had two degrees or whatever his deal was, it felt like he had a, he was coming from this upper class upbringing and walked away from it. Uh, and that, yeah, his whole demeanor, it doesn't feel like a, a finance guy. I might've looked for a different career for this guy that tracks a little bit closer to Brian Greenberg or just had Brian Greenberg change some of his physical uh acting around a little bit because yeah he's got a lot of swagger which i love brian greenberg and so uh definitely not mad at that um it's just and it also might be i've watched too much of his other work <laughs> and now i'm trying to imagine him as uh this finance guy and i'm like not so much not so much yeah but i mean again the broad strokes really work well for me here right great location great casting like these actors have a lot of charm a lot of charisma right off the screen in, and together but at times and i think this is due to the writing it feels like they're leaning forward in their performances a little bit instead of kind of leaning back into a comfort zone it just feels like they're constantly like pushing the agenda of the script uh, instead of finding their own kind of natural flow in it uh, maybe that's a time thing maybe they just didn't have a lot of time and with the script and with rehearsals to kind of flesh out these moments. It's hard. It's hard to change that stuff on the fly. You, 
you really need the right cast and maybe they're just not the right cast to completely overhaul the dialogue on the fly. I don't know. I don't know what their strong suits are. I've obviously never worked with either of them. Um, I know they're talented actors, but there's different types and styles of acting. Um, and some people are better at it than others. Yeah, I have no idea. That's all behind the scenes stuff. But uh, still, great cast. I love the little twist of the birth birthday being his girlfriend's. I thought that's a really smart thing. And I love the dynamic that she's encouraging him to pursue his dream. Um, in the same way that he's kind of uh, pushing her around in, in Hong Kong. Uh, that's a really fun, you know, inverse of things you normally see. Uh, yeah, I think cinematography wise, they shot this on a Canon C500, which is notable because they got that for free through some Canon filmmaking award that she won. So that was like a really nice free aspect of making this film. A lot of shots and going back to free, a lot of shots look like they're just using available light. This is the way I like to shoot. And they did a great job with it. I mean, uh, the places where it's soft, it felt like they took advantage of the softness. Places where it, where it wasn't, it felt like they were Hollywooding lights. Like there's a lot of these tracking shots from the front uh, and they're perfectly lit, very nice, soft uh, light on both of them. And they're walking down the street. Now, I'm not aware of any like, lights naturally in the city that are like on escalators or something. Um, and so they clearly had someone behind the, uh, the camera, Hollywooding, which is what you call when you handhold something um, mm -hmm. and you just grab it and someone moves it around or it moves with the camera. It's called Hollywooding. And so I'm thinking maybe they had like some lanterns on a boom pole that was able to give them a nice soft light. Smart. Um, a lot of the shots we track mostly from the front as they're, walking and having this conversation and then we seem to finish a scene from behind we kind of watch them walk away then we cut to a new location and do it again like they do this a lot and it's it's good it's smart it's very efficient uh, because the locations in this movie are so good what a great use of hong kong like it i don't know how it felt to, to film it but to me looking at it it felt like you couldn't point the camera in a wrong direction yeah i totally agree right like, and then it looks like she picked really smart locations because the skyline is often in the background. So, hey, we want to see the city in a lot of these shots. It doesn't matter where they're walking. We don't need to match that. We just need to have interesting places to walk and interesting places to see the skyline. And so we're going to walk down this street and then we're going to move across the ocean or wherever, you know, uh, across the bridge. And we're going to have the skyline in the background. And now we have all this beautiful bokeh because Hong Kong is apparently lit up like a freaking Greg Frazier film and it's just gorgeous. Like, yeah, we're going to win <laughs> every which way. Uh, so really great job, but they take advantage of all the local pieces, right? The, the marketplace, the elevators, the ferry, which by the way, filming on a ferry is so hard because there's so much ambient noise and it looks like this was all practical on set dialogue. I didn't sense any uh, ADR whatsoever. Me either. Uh, and that's, really bold and i love that they did that it's encouraging for me because i like filming that way and i hate adr and so this was really really encouraging and so i'm i don't i don't know if either they cut the ferry off like were they just sitting it felt like it was moving but that could also have been the traffic around them creating this sense of motion but if it was on capturing that audio brutal 
super brutal. I know I read in the, uh, I read a couple snippets. I was trying to find out what the budget was on this thing and she wouldn't release it, but she said it was under a million. I would guess probably around 300 K if I, if I was going to ballpark this thing, because she also had Jamie and Brian both as uh, executive producers. Mm-hmm. So that. getting that EP credit, you know, I'm thinking that was part of their reward. Maybe it's uh, some back end promise as well as a, uh, uh, some payment, maybe scale rate. And then, hey, just come on board. This is a fun film for y'all to own it, like to do something y'all don't get to do and shape this project in ways that you get to shape it. Really smart. I did notice that that their 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 timing for their wonders was really, really good. You know, they'd be walking on the street. They'd have to hit this mark by the end of their their delivery of their scene um, because then they need to take a right or a left and then the scene ends or something like that. And so the, they do a lot of that like multiple times. And, and the, the, so there had to be a ton of blocking throughout this whole, the planning of this film. And, and it was, it was done really, really well, really well. Yeah. And I wonder what that writing process was like too. If she posted up in, in the, the city and was like, okay, I need to write a scene that can last about 45 seconds or for it was just kind of backwards. Like here's a scene, here's our endpoint. We're just going to walk it backwards to see where we need to start. That's probably how I would tackle it. But that doesn't mean that you start at a really interesting place either. So you might have to tailor it based on the amount of time you can get out of the the best visuals uh, that you have access to. I don't know. Um, yeah. Really good job though. Yeah. Public filming is really difficult. She talks a little bit about that. She was like, yeah, we, we, there was a lot of like drunk expats on the weekends. I guess they filmed on the weekends because she was like, they kept jumping into the frame and like saying, hi, mom to our actor. Oh my God. And it was just really hard to get a clean five minute take that wasn't ruined by, because they are doing these really long winners. Um, and that takes a lot of patience for everyone on set. Uh, that was my hesitance when we did our film on fourth and Congress in downtown Austin. I was like, man, we're so exposed. And the last time I did this, I kept having this jackass and I was shooting film super 16. And it just kept having this jackass pop up in the back of my frame, waving at the camera. And it's just like, man, don't, don't do that. And then it looks like they kept one guy in this film. They're posted up in front of this store and they're finishing this conversation and this guy walks in front of them or right behind them and like crosses his arm and smiles at the camera. Uh, and they cut to like coverage of over the shoulder, you know, singles. I was really happy for the the cast. It seemed like they stayed in it. I mean, throughout the entire film, they do a really good job of staying in it. And, you know, they do a good job of cutting around everything that they don't have working in their favor. For instance, the market or when they get to that little strip club of strip club, uh, strip of clubs <laughs> uh, where, you know, she was originally trying to go in their first meetup. They said they that, that was all, you know, in public. They lobbed them up and they got a long lens and they said, we're going to run the scene. Y'all are gonna, just going to have to work with it. And I, they said they got it in one take without anyone ruining anything. And they just kind of moved on. Awesome. Isn't that I cool? love that. <laughs> I love that. Just do it. Just do it. And whatever happens, happens. That's so fantastic. So cool. I'm, this is the kind of film that I watched probably right when it was released. And I was like, same thing we're feeling now where I was like, oh man, like uh, it's kind of bumpy here and there, but I'm really encouraged as a filmmaker watching someone take these risks um, and just go for it. Like even more now, right? Like this is very much 
kind of where we're heading right now with uh, where I'm at and trying to create my first feature. Uh, and I love the runtime. I love that it's not even 80 minutes. It's like 78 mm-hmm. minutes with credits. Right? Uh, yeah. I think it's like 74, maybe 75 uh, without credits. And so I I think there's something to be said for really short feature films um, that doesn't get the love that they deserve. And I'm glad that she felt the freedom to do that. Yeah, man. I don't know. I, I, yeah, there's a lot to love about it. I still enjoy it. I like the vibe. Like you said, um, I like hanging out with these characters. I think if I just had my druthers, there would just been some small differences, not even from cinematography, uh, just with just some of the writing, because I think these two people are really charming together on screen. Yeah. And they're good actors, good, good characters. I like the story beats. There's nothing to not like about this for me. Mm-hmm. And if- man, jo- the Josh Silf- Silfen did a great job in so many places. Specifically, one I want to call out is on the bus. I think there's so much that happens cinematography wise on this bus. One, how do you shoot in a moving bus and and not be rattled around. I mean, obviously you have like a steady cam and you can probably use that, but also to on top of that, because I don't know what their budget was. So if we're talking indie wise, that's a lot of your budget right there. Cause that is not cheap to get, to get something good enough to be able to be pretty stable on a, a moving bus. Right. And then, but also to have, you know, cause there's that, that strange couple that's sitting in front of them, right. You have to shoot in a way where, we're paying attention to the, to the, our actors in the back of the bus, but we're also seeing, you know, at times the couple in the front, but it has to be framed just right to where like, we can, we can choose to notice them if we want, but not, we're really paying attention to the conversation in the back. There's reflections. You got to pay attention to the lighting in the bus itself. It look it looks very, very practical. It looks like to your point, like they're just using what they've got. I I'm sure on the bus they probably have something maybe maybe they usually turn the lights off or something I don't know but they're on I I have no idea but there's probably they probably had the bus do something specific yeah I um, bet you're right like I I imagine because I'm watching that scene right now actually like at the back they probably added an extra LED taped it to the ceiling or something mm-hmm. and just to give them a little bit brighter so that the attention goes to the brightness of the screen which is them but if not still really smart, easy work, you know, and the shooting on a Canon C500 probably gives you a little extra latitude of exposure, you know. The colors are so vibrant in this film. So vibrant. I mean, like, look at the scene right after that when they go to the market, like, you're like, oh my God, everything explodes, but not in an oversaturated way. It's like, feels very natural, you know, like how I, I think a lot of times, you know, films that are like indie films are, are, they're not colored. They're either too saturated or they're not saturated enough it's like they go too far or they don't go go far enough right you shoot in log great but then you have so much to work with you have these some directors who want to use it all and some who are afraid to use any of it but this is like a great balance it feels like it feels real like a, yeah. you know like this is how it would really look if my eyes were seeing this you know in in person but in a like like beautiful like there's they they there are some moments like I'm watching right now the um the market scene mm. and there are a few aspects of the of it that are of some of the shots that are actually blown out it seems like 
like the whites are almost blown out. Oh, wow. But I, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's just like, you know, a, a lot is going on in my eyes. And I think it's important because like a lot of times, um, a lot of stuff is blown out um, in the background when they have like a shallow depth of field and that's okay. So like it being when they're in a booth or something and there's, there's uh, as the aspects that are blown out in the background, it just kind of takes my eye away from it to them. Right. It brings, it brings the world, even though it's wider in tight to, to focus on them. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, I don't know if it was intentional, but I feel that's how I feel when I watch it. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the rough things about not just shooting publicly, but shooting digitally is you're taking advantage of the available light, which I imagine was probably the case here. Mm -hmm. But in order to get a nice exposure on your actors' faces, you're going to lose some of those highlights. And digital just doesn't retain highlights quite as well, um, quite as well, not nearly as well as film. Yeah. With the exception, from what I hear, the Ari Alexa uh, does a really exceptional job of retaining highlights. Um, I've never shot on an Alexa, so couldn't tell you. But from what I read um, from mm -hmm. uh, cinematographers I respect, uh, like Darius Kanji, um, who's big on film, but when he does shoot digital, he goes with the uh, the Alexa. Yeah, man, I agree. It it is beautiful. It feels natural. It feels lived in. I think you know the the saturation is a really good point. I was thinking about that on my first viewing because she's wearing that red and it just pops right off the screen, and that's you know she's the symbolism of love and he's blue right he's kind of cool a little too cool for school and so that yeah they did some really nice stuff with the color for sure yeah i don't know man I, I i if it were me i'd be really happy i made this film exactly the way it is like i would be really proud of this for sure yeah yeah agreed yeah nice. i don't know um final thoughts uh this is the kind of film that i think that anybody anybody could make that's determined right like if you're if you're able anybody could write this anybody could find a camera even an iphone nowadays and make some kind of version of something like this because it's it's the story right and so it's taken a little bit from other stories but there's wrinkles in it you know they have girlfriends and boyfriends and that makes this a little unrequited and then they have uh, or not un unrequited but star crossed and then they have this whole dynamic of he's he's lives there and she doesn't but she's Chinese and he's American and like you mentioned earlier and so there's all these different wrinkles and so if you take an idea that you really like and you just add a couple of large scale wrinkles to it all of a sudden it's a whole different ball game and I think they that Emily Ting did an amazing job at doing that and with what she had did an incredible job of telling a story that I think really sticks with you and you know, while I agree there are some moments that I, I would have chose different performances, I think it's like just all in the performance, but the actual creation of it was done so, so well that it's, it's almost not quite for me, but almost worth overlooking yeah. those moments because I just want to experience those, those feelings that happen. Like there's probably as many, as many times as I'm taken out of it, there's probably that many moments where I'm like, oh man, that was an amazing moment you know, if not more. And so, so those moments are, they feel so good that I kind of want to just put those other moments to take me out of it aside to experience it again. And I want to watch it again. I'm probably going to watch it again. So, uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful 
experience to watch yeah it. for sure i would be down for a sequel i think this is the kind of movie that lends itself really well mm, to following up and seeing where are these characters now like you've already kind of started down the before sunrise road uh why not chase the dragon you know like i feel like it's all house money because this is such an understated film that you can't really go wrong no matter where you go and so what if they didn't get it together right what if they tried to plow through um and we pick up, I mean, it's been seven years, but what if you pick up three years later? Like, why not? Uh, now it's a 2017 film uh, or something. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of places you could go with this. I enjoy it. I wouldn't mind at all hanging out with these characters again, uh, even in Hong Kong again. There's probably another fun way to approach that. What if you're what if you're not exploring the city as much? What if you're exploring the housing, you know, instead uh, we're hanging out in people's parties and people's living rooms. What's that look like in Hong Kong? Like we know what that looks like in America. Uh, is it different there? Um, you know, what does a party look like? Uh, I don't know. I think there's still room to explore that, that location, but even if not, yeah, we could go back to New York and hear the LA versus New York, you know, feud continue down. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm all about it. I would, I would be, I'd be okay with that. I like them on screen together and yeah, this, this is fun. And I think probably in the last, you know, seven, eight years, she's, you know, grown as a writer director and she'd probably love to revisit and, you know, show us what she's learned in the interim. Um, I would certainly be willing to learn from her for sure because yeah, I'd be really, (laughs) again, I'd be happy if I made this for sure. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Nice. Awesome. What, uh, what are you going to recommend this week? Oh man. Uh, this earlier this week, I just, um, uh, saw that, uh, Netflix released, uh, all quiet on the Western front and watched that. And I'm going to recommend that. I don't know what is going on with Netflix, but my God, the shit they're making is it's right up there with stuff. I would go watch in the theater any day. I don't know what, how can you make a movie like this and just release it, like put it out there on Netflix? I just don't get it. I don't think I'm going to get it. Maybe that's the, you know, the pre-pandemic in me. I don't know. But I would have loved to have watched this on a big screen. It's so well done. The performances are well done. I mean, it's, you know, really good war movies. They're really hard to make, but they're also, if you have the ability to make them, they're hard to mess up. I feel like they're just so visceral, you know, yeah. and this is no, no exception. I, I just really adored it. I thought it was amazingly shot, amazingly acted, amazingly written and, and, and fan freaking tastic. So nice. Netflix all quiet on the Western front. I'll be checking that out. Um, yeah. I am going to recommend a film. It's called Paris Jataim. I probably am mispronouncing that. Apologies to anyone who speaks French. Um, My Cantonese is better than my French. Uh, And so this is a film that's just a collection of short films all centered around Paris. And it's all different directors. And so you'll have just a, I forget who's all directing in here, but there's like a weird little short film in there with Elijah Wood. uh, That's so interesting. Um, There's, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of directors you'll know. And they all just got tasked with, hey, make a five to 10 minute short film, whatever you want, just make it in Paris. And so you get a lot of this kind of action of exploring a city um, and meeting characters. And it's just lovely. I, I think it's really fantastic. Uh, I saw it in theaters a long time ago and just 
adored it for sure. So Paris Jataim, uh, they made a new, another one called New York. I love you, uh, which whatever. That was fine. Paris was cool. the best though. And yeah, stay tuned for next week. I'm going to see uh, if we can get Scotty on the show, uh, friend of the show, Scott Garrett Graham, and the three of us will tackle blood T Python and the Holy grail. Um, hopefully this will be a fun holiday episode and i'm gonna also see if i can talk us all into having a drink of some kind and this will be courtesy of uh uva uh who who gave us a really fancy donation uh much appreciated friend and hopefully we'll honor that through a drink of some kind we'll see we'll see it depends on what time of day we end up recording it's that 10 o'clock in the morning when yeah. I'm recording, so, so it might be, be careful here alcoholic. yeah <laughs> uh, but i will be popping like a bottle of bourbon i don't care if it is 10 there you go <laughs> it's noon where you are so, that's right awesome. uh, so stay tuned for that and uh if you're enjoying the show drop us a review subscribe leave us a note if there's something you want us to talk about things you like to hear about whatever uh we're open to it all even if we don't cover it all we'll we'll do our best uh, and if you want to leave a note on this episode in particular, you can do that at thepestlepodcast.com slash already tomorrow in Hong Kong. And today's quote of the day is from Werner Herzog. I despise formal restaurants. I find all of that formality to be very base and vile. I would much rather eat potato chips on the sidewalk. <laughs> I mean, I would too. <laughs> I just like the idea that I'm taking him so literally that he's literally just dumping potato chips onto the sidewalk <laughs> and eating them <laughs> off of it. Oh my God, that is literal. <laughs> I was picturing him just standing on a sidewalk eating them out of a bag, but you're talking about like literally off the sidewalk. Uh, wow, interesting. So why'd you pull this? I don't know. It was their conversation while eating that seafood restaurant. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I love this stuff. My girlfriend doesn't like it as much. She likes you know, really nice places where they have ceilings and air conditioning. Um, and he's being mildly facetious, but I get what he means, right? Like there's a lot of people who love upscale dining. Um, and I thought that was just an interesting choice. Um, mm -hmm. For one, writing a low budget film, it's so much easier to get like a taco stand than it is to go get whatever, even five guys and fries is, you know, expensive for a film, even though it's a fast food joint, you're probably not going to get access to that thing for free. And so, yeah, just as a, a approach to filmmaking, I just really respect using what you have and maximizing it. And she looked around Hong Kong and said, what do I have access to? I have all these free streets. Yeah. It's going to cause some pain because people are going to ruin some shots and that's okay. We're going to push through it. Because you know what? I'm a filmmaker and I'm going to make an effing movie that I like. Smart. Smart. Why not shoot in a, you know, fun little restaurant? It's so much more, so much more character than finding some really nice restaurant. Um, and I love building that not just into the set and into the story, but also into the characters. Like that became a point of pride for him. Like, yeah, this is stuff that I love. This is the best seafood. You know, you're welcome. <laughs> and it just was a really great way to combine all the things that you have at your disposal between location um and and story and writing like just really really smart yeah and i agree cool. i i'd prefer like little dingy food trucks uh compared to no maybe i just haven't eaten at enough nice restaurants um, nah. but <laughs> you know you have though right yeah it's <laughs> nah it's not worth it uh, it's good you know sure but it's just as good from a food truck really 
Nice. The incremental improvement is modest compared to the, the, the cost and the time. And yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, well done. Well, this is a lot of fun. Thank you for recommending it. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm definitely going to go watch it again. Um, and like Wes said, please review us, subscribe, give us comments. All of that stuff really helps out. It lets us know that, that you like what we're doing. Um, and give us a suggestion if there's a film that you'd like to see us cover or talk about. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, I am Todd. I am Wes. Go watch some movies. Go watch some movies.